Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Today we will be learning Daf Peches in Maseches Erevin. But we will start with the Mishnah on Pezayin Amud Bez. And the Mishnah says in the middle, talks about the Gezustra. This is a Mishnah that we had already learned, and this was the source of that Mishnah. It, we're back in Venice. We're in Venice, and we have two... Um, we have two balconies over the canals, and let's see how these balconies relate to the ability to draw the water. So, the balcony protrudes over a body of water. You can't draw water on Shabbos. So, you have to make a mechitza that's 10 tefachim high. Wait a minute. So, do you remember, it looked like a fish tank. That's what we were calling it, the fish tank. And the reason we're calling it that is because that's what it looked like in one of the art school illustrations, where it basically had a mechitza, four tefachim by four tefachim, and ten tefachim high. It can extend upwards, it can extend downwards, by the cutout square hole in the balcony, as we'll call it. Okay, now, this flies in the face of what we learned yesterday. Rav Hananya ben Akavia had said, had discussed, if you remember, the four different ways you can go to Home Depot and make a hole in your, in your balcony or maybe forgo for the balcony altogether and just have a drawing, a well, so to speak, right outside your window. Well, that's the first question the Gemara is going to ask. Basically, this is against the sheet of Hanani ben Akavya. So there's two sheetas. One is Hanani ben Akavya, who's very makil. It turns out that was only in the Kinneret anyway. But he was very makil. He didn't require this fish tank apparatus, what we're calling. The fish tank apparatus is basically just makeshift mechitzos that, um, that in theory, right, extend down into the water and make the water, even though obviously the water is flowing all through the canal, it's almost like we suspend this belief and we consider the water, it's a kula, we consider the water as if it's trapped, so to speak, even though it's not as if it's trapped within this fish tank, which is the Rishos HaYachid, that it's extending into our balcony, and that's what's allowing us to draw the water on Shabbos. Anyways, so Rokhanani Rekavi doesn't even need that, but that's only in the Kinneret. But this is the Shita that we do, in fact, need the fish tank. Without it, we cannot do, we cannot draw any water. Now, as the Mishnah continues to say, Ben Milmala, Ben Milmata, that's what we said, whether you're going to make this fish tank above or below the level of the balcony, it's not going to matter. It's either way, the walls are going to be considered through good aches, uh, as if they're going down all the way through the water. So that is halacha number one. Then the Mishnah continues to say, zu If you have two ba- balconies, one above the other, Okay, so we're going to take two random people. Uh, we'll call them Andrew and Barry. I decided to switch it around. I'm going to say that balcony A that belongs to Andrew will be the upper one for the word apex. And balcony B, which belongs to Barry, is going to be the bottom one, B. So apex, bottom, Andrew, Barry, balcony A on top, balcony B on the bottom. In order to keep it straight, because we're going to talk about the top and the bottom Again, and we picked on Andrew so much before when he was on the bottom, so now Barry is going to be on the bottom. So what's happening here? If Andrew on the top in the apex made his partition, and Barry on the bottom did not, 
Shtehen asuros achi arvu. It's not just that Barry can't draw the water according to the Shita. Andrew can't do it either. So what will be the reason? So we'll say it outside first, and then we'll analyze all of it in the Gemara. The reason is because, and we're going to see, and we've already seen this before, if you might recall, when we were trying to illustrate the source of the Shita of Rav, with respect to how these things work in, through the air, in the Avir, so let's paint the picture. This is a scenario where Andrew and Barry's uh, balconies are not necessarily right on top of each other, but they're close enough in a horizontal direction that they're within four tefachim of each other. Okay, so really when you go up in the airspace, if you were to just to draw, let's say, vertical lines on Barry and Andrew's um, balconies, and you wouldn't consider, right, the fact that they're actually on different heights, they would actually be open to each other, in essence, right? They would be open to each other because it's just an open balcony with no railing or anything like that. And so if you disregarded the vertical difference between them, right, the height difference, then it would be similar to two chatzers who are completely open to each other. And it's for that reason that they're considered to be in one rishus, such that if they, such that if one of them is usher to draw water, it would affect, in, in fact, the other one. We're going to discuss this more in the Gemara, but that is at least why it could possibly be that Barry, Barry's delinquency in making this uh, fish tank apparatus below could affect Andrew's ability, even though he has a fish tank, to access the water from above. Let's see all of this in the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Right, so the first thing the, mission, the Gemara is going to point out is that our mission is not like Hanani ben Kavya, the Tanya, because we already learned in this price of Hanani ben Kavya, Omer, Arba Arba Amos, Arba Al Arba. Right, the first of the four suggestions of how to make this uh, window was to take the circular saw and cut out a four by four tafach window in a four by four Amma board. And then you could draw water. That is what we learned yesterday for Hanani ben Kavya. Here we are learning in the Mishnah, it's not enough. We should make the fish tank apparatus as well. So I'm Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Yossi ben Zimra. Okay. Lo hiti Rabbi Hanani ben Yekavya, ela biyama shel tveria. So now once we're already discussing Hanani ben Yekavya shita, we, do, we can't discuss it without mentioning that, that truly right limiting limitation, which is that all of that only applies to the Kinneret. Hoel v'yeshla ogani v'yaris v'karpipos makifos otah. Since, as we said yesterday, it's... It's um, surrounded by these banks, cities, and car puffs all around it, which essentially creates, turns it, as we learned yesterday, into a car puff. And as we said uh, yesterday with regards to the car puff, so it's going to require, right, a, it's, it's going to be more mekel, right? The mechitza is going to make it so that it's not quite a rishisa yachid, but it is, in fact, a car puff, and therefore you can, once you make the cutout in the balcony, that's enough to draw water. This would not be true in balconies on the Venice canals or any other kind of balconies that are not so surrounded by all kinds of structures. It is very unique to the Kinneret that, so, that, that it's the one body of water, I guess, that the Chazal were aware of at the time that had this kind of surrounding all around. Okay. Right, presumably, this has nothing to do with the fact that it's in Israel, right? If they were to find, I don't know, Lake Garda in Italy... Uh, having the same sort of configuration, this is a halacha and mechitzas Shabbos, not so much in the fact that it's in Israel per se, but um, but that was the one body of water they were aware of that had those kinds of mechitzas around it. Okay. All right. So now that we had said this idea of Hanani ben Nekavya, 
and we said that this cut window cutout applies only to the Kinneret, we're going to very interestingly point out three kulos that Hanan ben Kavya had said to the people of Tveria. So if you're a big Tveria fan, this is your Gemara, as follows. There's three heterim that he made for the Anche Tveria, as follows. That's what we just learned, that you could just make a window cut out without a fish tank, as we call it, and fill up water from it on the balcony. You can do hatmana, right, which is storing. In those days, we just recently went to Monticello, and Thomas Jefferson had one of the first cooling systems, but this was way before Thomas Jefferson, and you had to do all kinds of food preservation. So when you were trying to store it, they would use, atza is, according to Art Squirrel, the residue of bean plants. Basically, it's like, it looks like mulch, okay? So, and, and mulch is very effective also when it's moist, and we're going to see how that plays into the kula, okay? But be that as it may, that the idea of hatmana, when you remember from Shabbos, when we talked about hatmana, so we talked about doing hatmana in Dover HaMoisif Hevel, and doing hatmana in Davar She'ena Moisif Hevel, that it would be also to do hatmana, there was a gazera in something that was that was going to um, increase heat, retain, not only retain, but start increasing heat. And so there was a question with regards to mulch when it was moist, it was, under, it was, um, it was understood in those days that that would be something that would actually add heat. So let's see. When we stop in Baaluntis, and they could also dry yourself on Shabbos with a bath towel. Okay. So I'm going to dedicate this, this uh, uh, Anche Tveria uh, section to my dear friend and mentor, uh, Uncle Manny Wasserman, who I spoke to yesterday from Beverly Hills. Okay, so we go like this. Let's go through these three rulings of Anche Tveria. Memalin Maim Migzustra B'Shabbos Hada Amran. So that we already have discussed at great length. This kula that Rav Chanan Ben made for the Anche Tveria, that you can only make the, the cutout without having the fish tank. What's the second thing? Tonrin Be'atza. So let's see a little bit more about this. Mayi. What is this talking about? Ditanya. We learned in Abraisa. Hishkim. If somebody woke up very early. Do you know anybody wakes up early, guys? Lehavi Psolis. To bring the sort of residue of the crop from the field to use in this storage uh, fruit preservation apparatus. Right? So that would be the morning routine. You get up. You're going to be, right, harvesting the fruit later. And when you take the fruit, you're going to want to put it somewhere that preserves. You don't have a fridge. So the beginning of the day involves setting up the insulation, um, the, sort of like the insulated area that would be your makeshift fridge every day. So Ashrenu, that we don't have to actually set up our fridge anew every day. Our fridge just kind of like works from day to day. But this was part of the daily routine. Now, says the Gemara, What's going on here? Okay, so we had already discussed this. When we talked about, actually, uh, in Masechah Shabbos, the idea of b'chi yutan. Okay, tal is dew, as we know. This would be true if it was any one of the Zion Mashkin, right? If you have water. If you have food, in order to be mekabel tumah, it has to have one of the Zion Mashkin on it. It has to have, have to have moisture on it in order to be mekabel tumah. Okay. But that moisture, okay, only makes it mekabel tumah if the moisture is there deliberately. Because the Pasuk says, Which means that if the water was placed 
on whatever the vegetation w- was, and then it touched something that was tame, then it would be tame. Okay. V'chiyutan ma'im, the Pasuk says, when water is placed on it, Chazal learned that that meant that the water must be placed there deliberately. It can't just be incidental. So listen to this idea that when it comes to bringing the residue. So because we said in Maseches Shabbos that it was believed that when there's moisture, it actually is a better insulator. So therefore, if you want the moisture to be there, and the reason why you're getting up at 4.30 in the morning before daf to do this, to do this chore is because the moisture is going to make for better insulator. So then that amounts to wanting the moisture to be there deliberately. And that falls into the category of what we call the chiyutan, into that idea of the pasuk of having it there deliberately. And it thus makes the fruit that's moist from said mulch, makabel tumah. However, if the reason why you're doing it is because you don't have time later in the day, right? You're buried. After this, after this year, you're davening and you're going to Pennsylvania, okay? So then you don't have time to go back home and set up your insulation. That's why you're there at 4.30 in the morning. The moisture is thus incidental. And if so, so then it's not considered deliberate. It's not considered v'chiyutan. And in fact, despite the fact that it's the same amount of moisture on the fruit, it would not be makabal tumah. So it depends on your intent of being there early enough to pick up this mulch when it is filled with dew. So, let's read it back inside. It's a very, right, it's a very, it's a very good point. Barry's saying, V'chiyutan sounds nif'al, which, ha, which you usually associate with passivity, right? Um, in fact, you have in this week's parasha, Yukach Nomad Mayim. Right. They talk about Avram appointing a shliach, Rashi says. Right, Yukach Nomad Mayim. The Mayim should be taken, this week's parsha. Beautiful uh, reference to this week's parsha, that, that the water should be taken. However... Even though it is nif'al, and even though it is referencing sort of like the chefza versus the gavra, right? Like, we don't care how it's done, we just care that it's taken, that's true. But whether it's nif'al or hif'il, or however you say it, yutan means placement, deliberate placement. So the shorish of the word, right, is, is deliberate placement. And in a sense, it fits in with what we're saying. Because this mulch, right, the chiyutan ma'im, it's not saying that you place the water, clearly, right? Because this water is actually dew, right? You never actually pour the water on it. So maybe, in fact, what you're saying is, in fact, baked into this halacha, that v'chi yutan, the fact that it can refer to dew that was there anyways, right, means that, that it doesn't matter whether you placed it or whether it was already there when you got there. But you use the shorish of yutan to say that if the fact that it's there is something that is what we'll call nichale, right, in the context of Shabbos, is something that you deliberately would have wanted to be there, then therefore it falls into the category of having been placed there. Okay? So I think that that's the answer to your question, that, that maybe yutan has both elements into it, that, that you deliberately would have wanted it to be there, but at the same time, you don't have to have placed it there. And that, in fact, is the case with the dew, because the dew, you woke up and there it is. Okay. So that's, a, that, that's an excellent point. Because um, they could have used some, uh, a, a totally different word, right? It could have said, uh, you know, right, v'chilach, or, right, if it, or if it's water, or im yesh bo right? But it said v'chiyutan. 
So it means the water was there, but you, uh, you were happy with it. Okay. So now, uh, just to finish the idea. So, if it's because it has the tal on it, it's But if the reason why uh, Barry is setting it up is because he doesn't have time afterwards and he has to go to work, it's not in the context of a chiyutan. Ustam. As we finally arrive in Pachesam at Aleph at 5.51 a.m., Ustam on Tveria, and the people of Anshay Tveria said Chanan ben Kavya, they are considered all, they're all hardworking people who get up early. And it's a kula, that none of their fruits are going to be Makabal Tumah because it's assumed that when they set up their insulation, that they're doing so only because they got to get to work. Okay, so we here sitting here at the early daf are like Anshay Tveria in that sense. All of our fruit would not be makabal tuma. Okay, now the third ruling. What is this about using towels? Mahi, what is this talking about? The Tanya, we learned in the Brisa about, right, drying yourself on Shabbos There's an element of Maris Ayin when it comes to bath towels. You can't be walking around because people are going to be chayshed you for schita, which is a derivative of melabain. Um, right, there's all kinds of issues with schita. So any time you have a cloth that's very wet, there's a tendency to actually right, wring it out. So why are we allowing you to use the towel? And why do you have to leave it in the bathhouse on the window? So it goes like this. Leave it in the bathhouse on the window. You cannot, you cannot give it to the bathhouse attendant because they are going to be suspect. Now, also Davar, Rashi says it's schita, that he's going to squeeze it out. Rari Libowitz, the great Dafyomi master, points out that also Davar usually is referring to something nefarious and he quotes, in fact, the Mepharshim who disagree with Rashi and say that, no, just don't give the bath, this is a separate din, don't give the towels to the bathhouse attendant because they were used, they were like known for doing lewd things with towels, just keep them away from towels, Okay. And Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon finally says, that you could even carry the towel home in your hand. So it sounds like over there, they were allowed to, right, use the towels in the first place. They're allowed to use the towels in the first place. So over here, uh, right, so there's some, some degree of machlokas with regarding towels, and Chadayim ben allowed the people of Tveria to use the towels. So now, uh, very interestingly, this is the part that I uh, thought Uncle Manny would enjoy, that Arya Leibowitz points out the Chazal talk about the Anche Tveria, since we have these three, right, three things of Anche Tveria, Chazal point out three, uh, sort of like a, a personality analysis of Anche Tveria, a profile. So one would be Lishvach, because the Gemara says somewhere that, that the place Tveria was called Riksa, like because the Rekonim Shebehem, Right, that even those who were like the lowest of the Anshitveria were filled with mitzvahs. So you could say, you could take that in a good way, right? That they're all male mitzvahs. Or you could take it in a bad way. Some say, no, of course, it just means they're male mitzvahs, but they don't have anything else to them. In other words, at least they do mitzvahs. But look at these guys. They're obsessed with work. That's all they ever do. And then they're going to, as we know, and I should point out that Ari Lewitz points out, that the Chamei Tveria, right, was a very famous place even then. 
the hot springs of Tveria is the one place where we see in the Gemara where you're allowed to take a hot shower, even on Shabbos. It was very essential to that location. And therefore, it was a gazer she'eno yachol says Ari Leibowitz. That the reason why towels were allowed was because toweling off was like part, uh, such a big part of their life. And the Chamei Tveria was a part, such a big part of why they were living there that it, had they made a gazer, nobody would have followed that gazer. So they just said, fine, use a towel and, and hang it up. But, uh, but, but you, but they, you must be allowed to use a towel. Why am I saying this? Because again, why would somebody live in Tveria? You could say Lagnai, because they want to use the, the towels. And these people were about earthly pursuits. They're going to work. They're working all day long. And then they're going to the bathhouse. And they're basically all about earthly pleasures. And at least, however, they do the mitzvahs when they have to do the mitzvahs. But, uh, you could also say Lishvach. And this is what Ari Leibowitz had quoted the name of his Rebbe of Shechter Shlita, which is that Lishvach, the Anshe Tveria, they work for a living and they're productive. And they also, they know how to live. Like they go to the, they go to the hot bathhouse and they know how to live. But at the same time, the Gemara says that they do many mitzvahs. They learn a lot of Torah. And in fact, not only that, but we saw, and of course it's true in different periods of time. So you can't say this was always the case. And perhaps in time of the Gemara, they had fewer chachamim, but we see all over Shas that they were tremendous chachamim in Tveria. So you can't say that, uh, that, that it was all people of earthly pursuits. And not only that, but the Sanhedrin's last stop before Gullus was Tveria. And there's a source that says that that'll be the first stop when the Sanhedrin comes back. They'll first reestablish it in Tveria on the way back to Yerushalayim. May it be restored speedily in our day. Okay, so, so we, we go with the second shot. The Anshe Tveria was amazing because... Uh, despite the fact that we're getting up early, we are doing it L'Shem Shamaim, and then we're going off to work as well, and then we're trying to learn as much as we can. May we continue to be able to pursue, right, uh, things in Olam Hazeh, and also Dvarim, right, Talmud Torah, Shemakayim Le'olam Haba. Okay. Six lines down on Pechas Aleph. So now we're going to talk back to the balcony. Let's get, let's get our head straight and back into drawing water from the balcony. So I'm a Rabbi Baravuna. Lo Shanu Okay, this is going to be our next Mishnah, but we are teasing it now. We're saying that coming attractions, that pouring sewage out through a hole is going to be totally prohibited, right? Obviously, all the dispensations for drawing water in is because you need the water for Shabbos. You really can't do without it. But how, what about waste management? Well, what would be the problem with waste management? Well, if you're throwing it through the hole in the balcony, and, and remember, during the, during the week, this is, this is like a very common waste management uh, procedure, right? People didn't have that the outdoor plumbing that carried into these like communal sewages everywhere. There was a lot of throwing stuff out of the balcony. So in that case, it was carried beyond, right? What's going to happen is if you're just going to throw it through, let's say the same hole that you drew it out of into the canal, then it's going to eventually go out into the great sea. And whereas you are standing in Rishas Yachid, that water is being what? It's being thrown out from Mauritius Yachid into Carmelis. And certainly that should not be mutter, right? It, it wasn't really mutter lechatchila to draw it in in the first place. It was just a kula that we allowed you to draw it in because you need the water. But do you really need to throw out the waste? Throw it out after Shabbos. That would be a zeradarabanan of taking something out of Mauritius Yachid into Carmelis. So that was Rabbi Bar of Huna's blanket statement. Now to that, Matzkiv Lav Rav Shizvi, there he is again, second time. Rav Shizvi challenged and said, Well, wait a minute. We know that everybody's allowed to pour 
their waste into uh, the Chatzar's cesspool. And we also know that there were many times where the cesspools were not uh, deep enough and pouring it into the cesspool, as gross as this is going to sound, would actually overflow it. And when it would overflow, it would simply just like run off, right, into, this used to happen in RBS sometimes, the, uh, the, the sewages would, would bubble up during big rains and would just kind of like run off into the Rishasarabin. So nobody ever made a gazera that, oh, when you pour this waste into the cesspool, you're not, and you're not allowed to do it once the cesspool is, is filled because you're going to carry it off into Rishasarabin. And so it sounds like we're not so sensitive to where this waste is going to go. So my answer is, no, what are we talking about? Honey, timey. Wait a minute. The waters of the cesspool generally become absorbed in the ground. And then sometimes it's going to flow out. Sometimes it's not going to flow out. But it's not as if it's so direct that when you're throwing it into the cesspool, it's as if you're throwing it into just a robin. It's just you're throwing it into the cesspool. Some, maybe it'll be absorbed. Maybe it won't. And even if water flows out, maybe it's the water that you put in, maybe it isn't. Like, it, it, it often can be absorbed. The honey law timey. But here, timey just means stop, right? It, here, by the balcony, it never even stops for a minute. It's, which makes it what? It makes it more direct. It's like throwing it straight out into the Rishus of Rabin. So that's a big difference. So that's why by the cesspool, we weren't so mockpit, but by the, but by throwing it off the balcony, we certainly were not going to allow you to do. Okay. So that was one version of that discussion with Rabbi Barahuna and Rav Shizvi. They had another version that uh, halakhically sounded a lot different as follows. Ikeda Amri, others say that this was a conversation. Don't say that only drawing water from the balcony is allowed. Lishboch Aser, but pouring out the sewage is prohibited. El Lishboch Nami Shari. The exact opposite. There's a version of this conversation where it was in fact Rabbi Barahuna who said that throwing out the water off your balcony um, with impunity is completely mutter. Just like drawing out is mutter, so too throwing out is mutter. Why would it be mutter? So it's because it's lo ichbasle, right? In other words, you're not trying to just, you don't care where, where, you don't care where it's going. Let's see, let's analyze it a little bit more. Amar Shizvi. To that, instead of matkif la Rav Shizvi, right? Rav Shizvi is consistent with himself in this version. Instead of Rav Shizvi saying, what do you mean you can't throw it out? Of course you can throw it out. Here, he's going to support Rav Huna as follows. Amar Shizvi, pshita hainu uka. That's obvious because it's the same thing as a cesspool. Just like in the cesspool, it's, it's a situation. That's what Rashi says. Lo ichbasle. He uses the word. Lo ichbasle. That we, we're, we're used to the idea of even if you have a psik ratio, right? Obviously, it's a psik ratio. If you're throwing water off your balcony into the canal, it's probably for sure going to go and flow off into some Rishasarabim. Or at the very least, you're throwing it back into a Carmelis. So it's clear that you're going to do the Hotsa. However, lo ichbasle. You don't really care if the water leaves, right? Because if the water were to stay, let's say, and you threw it down your fish tank apparatus, and it just literally stayed there, exactly where you threw it. So down below the mechitzos of the fish tank, you're not actually uh, over anything. It's still considered midarabana in that rishus yachid over there. So you don't care whether it runs off or not into the Carmelis. That's incidental. That's absik ratio, right? The lo nichala, lo ichpasla. You don't care whether it actually moves. So therefore, that's the same as a cesspool. Both in the cesspool and when you throw it down the chute, you're not actually doing an avera 
you're putting it down in a place where you're allowed to. And then sometimes it can run off into a Carmelis or a Shisarabim, but that's not what you want. That just happens on its own, and therefore it's Pashut that the two are the same, says Roshizbi, and it's Pashut that they're both Mutter. So the Gemara answers, Ma'od Tema. You might have thought, so it's so obvious to Roshizbi that the Gemara doesn't understand why throwing it down off your balcony would even be a Shaila, why it would even be different than a cesspool. You might have thought, well, it is different because the water of the cesspool usually don't run off. They usually do absorb and therefore it should have a more mekel halacha as opposed to the waters below in the canal, below the balcony usually do stream out. You, so you would have thought that the water in the balcony would be more machmer, kamash malan, therefore Rabbi Baravuna is the reason he's even teaching you this is to tell you that no, that even though you think they're distinct, they are in fact similar and therefore you are allowed to pour the water down through the balcony and into the canal. We will analyze this more in the following Mishnah. But first, let's do the two dots, v'chen shtei gazuz straws, 13 lines down. Let's get back to Barry and Andrew. We've been leaving alone for way too long. We miss you. Welcome back, boys. Amar vuna, amar rav. Same, same, uh, uh, right, same, um, rav vuna, amar rav, just like he just said over there by the, the, uh, waste. Lo shanu ela besmucha, aval bimufleges, elyona muteres. Okay. So this is what we had said before. That the only time that Barry and Andrews, right, merpeset, um, affect each other is when they're, in fact, if you were to draw a vertical line, are close to each other horizontally, right? They're approximated to each other horizontally. Aval bimufleges. We already used that word. Rashi had said that when they are separated on a horizontal, right, on the x-axis, when they have at least four tzvachim between them, aval bimufleges, elyonamuteris. Then, again, this is a scenario where Andrew on top at the apex made his fish tank apparatus. And Barry below did not. So in that scenario, if they were in fact considered two separate Rishuyos, then certainly the halacha is very simple. Barry can't use his, and Andrew can use his. Whoever made the fish tank can in fact draw the water. Okay. And now that was Ravuna quoting Rav, and we had already said this before. Rav and Rav is consistent with what his shita is. That Rav said that, again, the only... The only thing between Andrew and Barry, they are in fact what? They're open to each other completely. No balconies, no machitas whatsoever as far as on the balcony is concerned. But in between them, there is in fact airspace. So that was the shita of Rav. That if, if, if you are separated, but separated by airspace, the airspace is not going to serve to join you guys. Right? That's only when you're contiguous completely. So then you're one rishus. So then there's no way around it. You wouldn't even be able to make two Erevin. You'd have to only make one Erev. But when you're separated by air, this is consistent with the Shita of Rav, that uh, the, your Rishuyos are not going to right, traverse that airspace, and therefore you can each make your own Mechitzos, even though you're open to each other. Okay, so 17 lines down, the Gemara is going to introduce a discussion of this. Amar Rab, Rabba Amar Rabchia, Rabbi Yosef Amar Rabbi Yoshia. Yesh Gazel B'Shabbos. Okay, this is going to be a little bit of a cryptic, cryptic statement because we're going to have two contradictory statements. Rashi over here, um, in like four lines up in the skinny lines, talks you through the entire lumdus. But basically, what he's saying like this: theoretically, one can have can can take someone else's property on Shabbos. 
So, for example, let's say, right, Andrew had a property that he doesn't visit a lot because it's kind of ruined. It got, it, it got mangled and turned into a churva in some way. Okay. But it adjoins. It's literally right up against Barry's property, which is a regular, fully intact Rishos HaYachid. Okay. So what does Barry do? He knows that Andrew's never there. And he has a lot of tchotchkes in his house, and he has more, he needs storage space. Okay. So he's allowed to use that churva. He kind of uses it as outdoor storage space during the week. Has he asked Andrew for his consent? No, he never gets around to it. They, they see each other from time to time, but it hasn't come up. He kind of assumes that it's okay. Now, that's kind of gezo, right? Because that's, that's Andrew's domain. But somehow Barry is using it as his own domain because he's using it uh, for storage. So there's an unbelievable halacha that yesh gezel b'shabes means that you kind of are allowed to, right, use that space on Shabbos. You can carry there, apparently, even without the Erev because that becomes kind of part of Barry's, part of Barry's chatzar, right? So Barry has kind of um, extended his chatzar onto Andrew's little ruin over there that he has right outside his chatzar. So that's the first statement. But the second half of the statement is, v'churva machazir lebalim. But what? The ruin, the churva, restores the possession back to Andrew on Shabbos, which is to say that even though Barry regularly uses Andrew's chat, uh, right chorva, the halachas of Erev require Barry to return that property to Andrew because by virtue of the fact that Andrew owns that area, right, and by virtue of the fact that he that Barry actually has no rishus to use it, they have to join in an Erev if Barry wants to carry there. So wait a minute. The whole point is that these two statements contradict each other. Yesh Gezel B'Shabbos means that Barry apparently can use it and he doesn't have to make an Erev. V'churva Machzir Labalim means that the fact that it's used actually and you need to have an Erev brings the Rishos back to Andrew and Barry can't carry. So which is it? Can Barry carry in Andrew's Churva or can he not? So that's what the Gemara asks. The Gemara says, Ha'gufa Kasha. This is an internal contradictory statement here. You said that Barry can use Andrew's, right, chatzar, or chorva as it were, in Al-Makanya. That makes it sound like, like, um, Barry essentially, right, was Kona, Andrew's property, and doesn't have to make a separate Erev. The chorva machzer lebalim, Al-Makanya. But then the fact that you said that the chorva brings the, right, the fact that you have to make an Erev brings it back to Andrew, is mashma that Barry isn't Kona. And therefore would need to make an Erev. So which is it? It's an internally contradictory statement. So my answer is no. Let's sort it out for you. Hachikama. This is what it means to say. Yesh din gezel b'shabbos. Yes. The idea, right, that you can be, right, gozel on Shabbos is, in fact, a, a, an idea. And which is to say that Barry could perform theft on Shabbos. How would Barry perform the theft? Ketzad. Because of the fact, so, so this is kind of how we might have read it the first time. If we were, if somebody were to show you the statement and say, well, what do you think this means? What it really means, says the Gemara, is that by virtue of the fact that it's Andrew's chatzer, it means that, and the, that when it comes, when it's going to be Shabbos, so it's almost like this. Shabbos returns the chatzer back to Andrew. In other words, it's Andrew's chorva. 
right? So all week long, Barry is going to use it with impunity and he's going to keep his, his chazarai there, okay? He's going to keep it in Andrew's Chorva because it's going to give him extra storage plates. Come Shabbos, he can't do that anymore and he can't carry there because the Chorva, the fact that it's Andrew's, requires an Erev and that almost restores Andrew's ownership of the Chorva because it's his ownership and so all week long, no, like, None's, nobody's none the wiser. Like, Barry could do it, and he's being gozel from him, and he's not being over any Avera. Come Shabbos, Barry's going to be over Hotzah because it's not his. So that's how the statement reads. It just basically means that Yesh, that, that yesh Gezel B'Shabbos, that during the week, you're not going to necessarily be, right? Oh, so it's really like, it's, 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 it's kind of counterintuitive. The Gezel is really there all week long. You're not allowed to use Andrew's area. But on Shabbos, it becomes more significant because not only is there Gezel, but there's also the Isser of Hatzah by virtue of the fact that the ownership of Andrew returns the Chatzar to him and Barry would have to make an Erev in order to be able to use it. Whew. So it, it, you can see why they didn't read that into the statement initially because it's not really about the Gezel, right? It's the Isser Hatzah. But it forces Barry to be, so to speak, Meshav Gezela, to return the, just like when somebody, Khalila does gazel, they have a chiv of hashavas gazela. That's what Rashi explains. So too, right, when, when, when Barry, um, uses Andrew's ruin during the week on Shabbos, it keeps him honest and he has to do a form of hashavas gazela, which is to say, right, a concession to Andrew that this was really his chatzar all along. And the alachas of Erev is what's keeping Barry honest. Because in fact, he needs to set up an Erev and get Andrew's consent were he to have to use or want to use Andrew's Chorva to, uh, for his own storage. So Barry may have wanted to not confront Andrew about it. It may be awkward for him with all the history between them as we've discussed. But the Hilchas Erevin, in fact, forces the issue and forces Barry to have to approach Andrew. And I think that that's a good thing, Barry, because really all conflict resolution comes from uh, with actually confronting and talking it out. So I recommend you guys do that. And Andrew, I recommend that you in turn are magnanimous as you always are to Barry and let him use your ruin. You're not even doing anything with it anyways. So now we're eight lines up from the wide lines. I'm a rabbi. Um, we challenge this discussion from the ruling in our Mishnah. Yeah, why do we bring this all together? Well, Remember that Andrew and Barry also have property in, in Venice with balconies. Re Amit Yesh Din Gezel B'Shabbos. And if you're going to say that Yesh Din Gezel B'Shabbos, as we just discussed, Amai Asuros, why would Andrew in the upper balcony be prohibited from using his own balcony? In other words, right, the Gazla needs the Hashiv Gzela, right? In this case, Barry needs to, right, re- needs to return the Rishos. That means that Andrew relinquishes to Barry, and Barry should be able... Uh, to, right, so, in other words, that means that, rather, the Gazla needs to do the Hashiv of the Gazela. That means that Barry, below, has to return Andrew's property to him. So, by virtue of the fact that he has to return his, his property to him, that means that Andrew, on top, with his fish tank apparatus, should be able to use it. No, that case must be when they're making the mechitza together. In other words, when Andrew erected that fish tank apparatus in his upper mechitza, 
Barry actually chipped in, and that was a joint effort. They went to Home Depot together, and they built it together. And the whole idea from the beginning, they knew that there was less than Fort Falcon between them on the x-axis, and therefore the whole idea from the beginning was for Barry, to, who's, a good, who's a good pitcher, to throw his, right, his, his glee, as it were, through the fish tank apparatus on Andrew. And they didn't have to make more than one because it was a shutfus milchatchila. That was always the case. And that is why they're, in fact, uh, that is why Barry affects Andrew's, Andrew's um, usage of it. So Gemara therefore asks, So if that's the case, why was the case in the Mishnah uh, a case where Barry himself didn't make one? Even if Barry had made his own fish tank, the fact that Barry joined in the fish tank construction with Andrew makes them shoot off him there anyways, such that, right, if anything were to be wrong with Barry's chatzar, it would affect Andrew by virtue of their shutvas. So the Gemara answers, yes, that may, maybe perhaps was the initial intention, but Kevan de'asul since they made partitions for the lower, one, the moment Barry made the partitions for his own balcony, goloi gale daita de'ana ba'adach lo nichale, he had, he had revealed his, his intention, right, that that was his expression, that was his declaration of independence, as it were, right? That initially the first project was to build Andrew's fish tank above. But then once we saw Barry didn't want to have to throw it over Andrew's balcony anymore, he wanted to do his own thing. So then once he built his own, that was his declaration that he's now no longer in the shutfus with Andrew, even though it wasn't explicit, and therefore that becomes his own halacha. And that's why the mission is talking specifically in the case where he had not yet done so. And therefore, he has no such apparatus. We are on the Mishnah on Pechesim and Aleph here. Why are we so behind? Because don't worry, tomorrow we're, our intention is to finish the parak and go beyond. But we knew we weren't going to finish the parak today anyway because the parak is on pay tests. Anyway, let's see this Mishnah. This, we had already alluded to this. We teased it. Water disposal. I mean, waste disposal, right? Not just collection, but disposal. So, Chatzashib, Chusam Arba Amos, Chatzar that's less than Dal by Dal in the area. You can't pour out waste water into it on Shabbos. If you have a cesspool, then you can. We'll see why. Uh, that's a description of the uka. So the cesspool is called an uka, and you have to have an uka. Right? It has to have two saw of water. Two saw is estimated as the normal amount, average amount of waste water that an average human being disposes of on Shabbos. And therefore, that becomes the criteria for the dimension of said cesspool. You can either have the, the, this as an indoor or an outdoor cesspool. Now, obviously, when it's outdoor, it has to be immediately up against the rishus, right? You can't go out to the rishus Rabin with it, we'll see. An interesting idea in the Mishnah, Rashi is going to explain that if it's outside, it has to be covered. Why does it have to be covered? Simply because, you know, leaves and stuff, you know, how those things can collect in your gutters, so similarly in the cesspool, if it becomes filled up with debris, obviously it ruins the entire point of the cesspool because then it's very shallow and then if you're going to throw in the usual amount, it's just going to overflow. So it needs to have a cover for that reason. Okay, And for that reason, if it's an indoor cesspool, then you do not have to cover it simply because it's not going to be filling in with debris by virtue of it being indoors. Now, Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov Omer, Biv, Right, if you have a drainage pipe running from the chatzar through the shusarabim and it's covered, right, kamor means covered for the arba amos, right, and the shusarabim shofchin lasochamayim that you can pour the wastewater into. 
lo yishpoch al pi abiv. Chachamim don't like it. They say even if it runs along the roof or the chatzah that's a hundred amos long, right? You can't pour directly into the opening over there. Aval shofechu lagag. You can pour it onto the roof and then ve'amayim yordin labiv, and the water can go down into the conduit. What is the reason for this? So you look at the, far, the Gemara is going to explain the reason. I'll say it a little bit outside. The reason is there's two a- aspects here. Number one, there's just physically, is this wastewater going to be absorbed, right? Is it going to overflow or is it going to be staying in the cesspool? That's one issue. But the Chazal are worried, Chachamim here, are worried about a different issue, an additional issue, that if you throw it out right by the Rosh Hashanah, it has a Maris Ayana element to it. It looks like you're throwing it out into Rosh Hashanah, that's not a good look. And therefore, you have, that's why it's saying you have to pour it out on the roof. You could let it run off. That's not the issue. We allow it because we assume some of it will be absorbed, but it cannot have the appearance of throwing it out directly into Rosh Hashanah. That's what's going on. Now, with respect to this Dalad Amos, that just means for the purposes of, right, we had said that it can't be less than Dalad Amos by Dalad Amos in order to create the cesspool. So if you have multiple kinds of Rishuyos, they can actually join together. So you'll have your chatzar together with your balcony. As long as the total, right, uh, square area is going to be dal by dalid, that's going to be okay. V'chein, shtei diotos, zu upper stories opposite each other. Okay, and then a chatzar of less than dalad amas below. So it's an interesting thing. They do not have to be, right, on the same point in the y-axis. They don't have to be exactly parallel on the same uh, ground. They could be a little off. And, and that's okay. Now, Miktsasan Asuka, if some of the residents, right, uh, made a cesspool, or Miktsasan Lo Asuka, and some of them did not, Esha Asuka Matarin, Esha Lo Asuka Asurin. So clearly, right, again, we're not going to point fingers, but between Barry and Andrew, one of them was conscientious and had made a, a dug out a cesspool, and the other one figured, yeah, I'll use his cesspool. I'm not going to go through this. We're going to explain in the Gemara how that works, but basically, whoever was conscientious, he gets to have the benefit of the cesspool, and the other one does not. We have a few more minutes. The Gemara says, we got to turn the page. The Gemara says, my timer, what's the reason that you're allowed to pour sewage into four amos, even without a cesspool? So, that's what we said. That is the allotment of how much a person typically uses the, uh, for wastewater daily. And, amos, adam zalfan. But if the area is four amos or more, right, so then it's okay because in those days they used to sprinkle water on larger areas of land. So nobody would bother to sprinkle water on such a small, small little like planter. Nobody would, would pour, would sprinkle cesspool water on there. But to sprinkle wastewater on larger pieces of, uh, of earth, that was in fact, um, very, very common such that if the piece of earth was wider, then you were allowed, you didn't need a cesspool because that was commonly still you spritz the water there. Whereas if it was very small, you would need a cesspool in order to allow it. As we turn to Bechesim base, Pachos Me'arba Shofchid. But merely if it's less than Dalad al Dalad, then of course you're going to pour out the water. Ida Ovid Ukashari, E Lo Asr. And as we just explained, therefore, in that case, if at that point it has a cesspool, it's allowed. And if not, it is prohibited. Rabbi Zeira explains a little differently. Amar Rabbi Zeira, Arba Amos Taimei. Oh, so now we're seeing the two different reasons, right? You have the Machlokas, Rabba and Reb Zeira. Rabba says, right, that it's because you're going to sprinkle it onto the earth. Reb Zeira says, no, that Arba Amos is a shear of what's absorbed. So if it's Arba Amos or more, it's enough to absorb the two saw, which is the typical amount of wastewater. Pachos me Arba Amos, low time But less than Arba Amos, it's just too much. It's going to be oversaturated and start running off. 
So my benayu. So the Gemara asks, what's the difference between saying that the reason is because you're going to sprinkle it on the ground, as Rabbi says, or that it's the, the amount that it can hold, like Rabbi says. So Right. Let's say you have a long and narrow chutzer. So long and narrow chutzer, you're not going to sprinkle it. Uh, you're not going to sprinkle it. Which is to say, long and narrow, basically what happens is, the Rabbi Zera is simply talking about absorption. So absorption has everything to do with, with total square area. So he doesn't care what the configuration is. Well, as long as you have the 16 square amos, it's going to be the, the right amount of square area to absorb the wastewater. But whereas Rabbah cares about a specific square configuration of Dalad al Dalad because nobody has a long, thin gina that he sprinkles with water. It has to do with the dimensions of that water being Dalad al Dalad. We have one more minute. So let's see, we learned in the Mishnah, we're going to try to prove Reb Zera and we're going to try to prove Rabba from our Mishnah. Because our Mishnah actually kind of supports each. Right, the fact that we say that the two, uh, the two, let's say you have a portico on top and you have a, a, a chutzer on the bottom, the fact that they combine, so that makes sense to Rebzera because they add together the total volume, but they're not actually contiguous as Rabba would want. El Rabba Kasha, that's one way. And Tirgama, the Gemara answers, Tirgama Rebzera, Aliba de Rabba, Bechsadim Alechas, Apnei Kol Chatzar Chula. So Rebzera explained the Mishnah according to Rabba, right, because he was very nice. And we'll finish with this act of Chesed, and I'm going to do act of Chesed, I'm going to finish so that we could daven on time. The act of Chesed of Zera was that according to, he, he was able, he gave a shot, even according to Rabbah, that maybe he's talking about a case where the Achsadra is in fact contiguous with the Chatzar. We'll pick up here tomorrow.